This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Online Choir Podcast. I'm Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner here, and uh, Illinois just defeated Chattanooga 31 to nothing, and that is what a game is supposed to look like between a Big Ten and FCS opponent. No, Joey Wagner, this was not like Southern Illinois against Northwestern, as he reminded me throughout the week. It's a story, um, but Illinois looked like a really good team uh, against a FCS opponent, an inferior opponent. That's what you want to see, Joey Wagner. So initial thoughts, we'll get into Pat Bryant's big day, huge passing day for the offense, and just another dominant day for the defense uh, that continues to look like it is potentially Big Ten elite. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see as, as the upcoming games are coming. That's a big storyline is, is the huge stretch ahead, but you're 3-1 and one coming out of non-conference play in one game against Indiana. Yeah, the big takeaway, and I, I think I wrote this in the preview, these are games, if Brett Bielema wants to get this to where he wants to get this, that this shouldn't be a thought, right? I, I mean, you shouldn't overlook it, and Brett Bielema made that a point to hammer home, but there shouldn't be those lingering thoughts of, boy, I don't know, uh, they're ranked number nine, they're an FCS team. Like, you're supposed, you pay them to come here because you're kind of paying for a win, right? That, that's the goal, to, to pay for a win. So, I mean, I think this was a big step in getting there, and, and maybe it makes the Indiana loss loom a little bit larger. Maybe this is a game now that you've kind of got through these first four that you're like, oh, man, right, that. That was still a thing. And then the other big takeaway, Jeremy, I know we'll get into it, passing game. We yeah. thought this was a game that could kind of, I don't know, give a little life to or, or let the passing game kind of work some things out. And we literally saw them throughout the game work some things out, and it was a pretty solid performance. Yeah, let's get into that passing game. Let's start there because this was the best passing performance for Illinois since the Michigan State game where they had to throw the ball over the field because they were, they were behind so much. And, of course, Brandon Peters, Josh, and Matt Torbebe go nuts in that game. Uh, and they passed for 369 yards. I know the level of opponent you were playing here today, Joey, but this has kind of been brewing, right? An offense that has been able to move the ball through the air – due to a different offensive coordinator. I mean, it's mostly the same personnel. It's a different quarterback, some different offensive linemen, but the wide receivers are basically the same, just a year older. Uh, but the concepts are different. The way he gets uh, the ball out of the hands is different, and the quarterback is better. Tommy DeVito has proven uh, through four games, I think he's an upgrade, obviously, over Brandon Peters. we got to see it against Big Ten play. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, 300 plus yards from Tommy DeVito, 329 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, a lot of these passes are short passes, so the accuracy is going to be better than it was last year in Tony Peterson's kind of long developing offense. But that's part of it is you have more accurate passes, you have more efficient passes, get the ball out quick. And then the RPO game I thought really shined early because what are teams going to do? They're going to try and shut down Chase Brown. And you know what? Chattanooga did a pretty solid job of that today. 110 yards on 20 carries. That's a whole hum day for Chase Brown, even though he set a record for Illinois, five straight 100-yard games. They can move the ball through the air. 
because Isaiah Williams can be a playmaker, had the big 63-yard touchdown. But the most encouraging thing is you might have a playmaker on the outside that's a big physical athletic receiver in Pat Bryant who had his coming out party today. He did. And you know who told him as much was Josh Whitman after the game. And I mean, was, he did. And you wondered, Jeremy, it's a big talk of ours before the season was, okay, who is going to be that outside threat who, who can maybe take the top off of the defense, feels a little bit like we're getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but, but somebody who can stretch down there vertically, who can make some of those big plays. You saw it kind of start against Virginia with that nice pass from Tommy DeVito down the sideline to Pat Bryant. Then you just see what happens when he's able to make plays downfield. It opens things up for Isaiah Williams, for Chase Brown, and, and suddenly you see the pieces of what could be an offense that like you, you see, and it's the same thing, you've seen at time what this could look like, but his development and his kind of moving into that role is, a, yeah. I mean, I think he's the number one guy on the outside. I don't know that it's really a conversation at this point. Like that is an element to the offense that we just haven't seen since Josh Matterbebe was here. Can, can you look up Tommy DeVito's numbers? I don't know if Illinois has uh, checked it yet, but I mean, he's got 900 plus passing yards through four games, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, a huge improvement in the passing game. And I can't wait, Joey, uh, for what we see over the next month. And we're going to hit on this a lot. Illinois got to 3-1 and one, uh, through four games, which I think we all thought was kind of the mark of success through the first uh, third of the season. You wish you were 4-0. and oh. Brett Bielma brought that up today. Wish we had a fourth win because you'd feel like this team has the chance to really surprise. But I still do. I, I think – with the way the defense is playing, we will get to the shutout today and, and what Ryan Walters' group is doing. But the story of this season was Barry Lonnie, Tommy DeVito, and how he could ignite the passing attack. I know they had turnovers against Indiana. I know they had turnovers uh, last week against Virginia. But we've seen signs of this passing attack taking the next step that it needs to to be a solid passing attack in Big Ten play because that is what held back Illinois. The run game was good last year. It's good again this year. The defense was good last year. It's good again this year. But Barry Lonnie was brought here to ignite the passing offense, and I think for four games he's done so. They can move the ball through the air, which they just weren't able to do last year. I mean, by halftime, Joey, they had 249 passing yards, which was more than they had in any game uh, in all but one game last year, which they had like 268. So most passing yards today uh, since 2019. Yeah, look, I know we've talked about it a lot, but last season we were doing our over-unders every week. We set passing yards at like 124 and a half, and that was on like a, hey, this could be a good day. Yeah. And I think more importantly, Jeremy, like, again, you expect Illinois to be able to move the ball against an FCS team. What I thought was interesting was the large amount or appeared to be a large amount of RPOs. Yeah. Like that to me was the biggest – thing I learned about this passing offense today was that's in the bag and it looks like they can execute it albeit against an FCS team it looks like they can execute that and that gives a lot of options within the offense well at one point they ran so many RPOs it was more than we I think we'd seen all year so far they ran so many RPOs and they were giving it to Bryant time after time and I was like is that Zachary Franklin out there because it looked like he was Zachary Franklin going against Illinois because Illinois looked like last year like RPOs were a foreign concept and these guys get open easily uh but kudos to Tommy DeVito I thought he made such good decisions in the RPO game outside of the one uh towards the the goal line where he should have given it to Chase Brown and he threw it into double coverage there uh got away with an interception but um I thought he was making such good decisions going to the guy who was going to win his one-on-one -on -one battles which most often uh, was Pat Bryant with how big athletic physical he is he's the kind of player they're missing and he's the kind of player they've been trying to recruit. And I think I'm sending this to Malik Kelsey tonight. I'm sending this game and, and tape to any wide receiver they're recruiting saying, I know we've struggled in the past throwing the ball, but look what Pat Bryant is doing. Look how big of a improvement he's making. And then Isaiah Williams has two 100-yard games here. I mean, these are two receivers that I would bet are going to have more than 750 uh, receiving yards this year. Um, they weren't even close to that last year, right? Isaiah Williams had 520 and Casey Washington, I think, was next with like 250 something like that yeah so that's a really good point because there's an interesting subplot here right like the, the obviously the main plot is win games get yeah. to a bowl game build momentum see see if you can catch some lightning in a bottle catch people by surprise that's the main plot but the subplot to me and the coaches will never tell you this is what kind of film are you putting out there to send to high school prospects or at a lot of positions you can look out there and sell in the transfer portal oh yeah like that that to me 
I mean, this Tommy DeVito film is going to be very useful because Art Sikowski came in, I think we see. Tommy DeVito can't get hurt. He cannot get hurt this year. Pat Bryant, Isaiah Williams cannot get hurt. Chase Brown cannot get hurt. They need more depth at those positions. But to interrupt, like, yes, this is all about – this is what we can do, imagine, if we add you guys. Right. And, of course, obviously – and everybody, the priority is what's happening. Yes. But that is also, like, you have to think like that as you look long-term and as you build a program, is what pitches do we have? We thought the running back pitch, and Brett, I thought it was interesting, Brett Bielema kind of brought that up. He said this is a, the first time Illinois had a rusher go for 100 yards in five straight games, and he goes, and I'm paraphrasing, only slightly, he goes, I mean, that's just what we do. <laughs> like, that's what, I'm a head coach. That's what we do here. It's like, that's never been a pitch I think you'd worry about on the recruiting trail. Well, th- well think about that. I just thought about this. Illinois has 14 1,000-yard rushers in its history. Doesn't Brett Bioma have that in 13 years? Uh, yeah, I believe so. That's a great point. <laughs> but, like, so, but you want more of those that's just what we do things. That's how, like, you, you go to the, these big programs. I'm not trying to say Illinois is on that footing, but you can look at a lot of programs and say that's what we do, and it's more than just offensive line yeah. and running back. And I think there's a long way to go to that still, but I think you've got through four games, four games that you should be 3-1 and one or 4-0, mm-hmm. So it's not like these are the most challenging games, but you yeah. have that film starting to come through and con- concepts that show these things. And like, that is important as this goes on. And aren't you hopeful? I mean, if I'm an Illinois fan, I'm hopeful because I feel like this offense can do that. Like if Chase Brown gets bottled up by a team, we have something else to go to that, to help us score 20-plus points because that's what you need to do in the Big Ten. You need to score 20-something points to have a chance to win most likely. Um, and that's why I find these next couple weeks – so interesting, oh, and I think it's going to be fun uh, to see what Illinois can do this offense, Barry Loney's offense, against an elite defense with Jim Leonard in Wisconsin. I mean, they are an elite national defense. Uh, and then to see it the next week against Iowa, that maybe you don't need to score 20 in that game, but you need to score some points against what I think is an elite Iowa defense with Phil Parker, and then Minnesota with Jim Rossi has had a really good defense. So I think there's a huge month ahead for Illinois football. Brett Bielma said the program. I agree with him and for this season. Uh, and we'll get into more of that of what we think they need to do there. But I think especially for Barry Lunny and his offense because these are three really good defensive teams coming up. Offensively, I think Illinois and Ryan Walters can handle them. It's, have you taken a step offensively? I think that's what we're going to find over the next three weeks is – how much progress they have made on that side of the ball. Yeah, and you knew this was a meaty part of the schedule coming, and a, a part of the schedule that's – you don't – Illinois doesn't win at Camp Randall. It's been like 20 years. It's, it's a tough tough place to go win, but that's not a – I don't think you go in there feeling like, oh, no. No, that's like it's not 2018. It's not – frankly, when, El, when Wisconsin came here in 2019, let's be honest, nobody thought Illinois was winning that game. But so, like, I, I think you're kind of getting away from that, but there's still, okay, can you take that step and prove that, hey, Jim Leonard's really, really good. I don't think you're going to light up the scoreboard against Wisconsin. But I think if you can move the ball, if you can get points, and, and then you carry that into Iowa and you carry that into Minnesota, okay, now, now you might be able to get something and, and pop your shoulders out a little bit going into that second bye week. But yeah, man, I'm with you. These are, I, I think this was a, a part of the schedule, these first four games, that was like, hey, get as close to a bull eligibility as you reasonably can. I, we both agree they left one on the table. But now it's, okay, there's a lot of proving still left to do here, especially in these three weeks. Illinois threw for 1,874 passing yards last year. They're halfway to that already through four games. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're just, they're just a much better passing offense, and I can't wait to see what they do uh, against some, some better offenses. I will say this, I'm, I'm, I'm – impressed by Tommy DeVito. This, this is the best quarterback year I think they could have since Nathan Schoss had his huge year with Bill Cubitt in 2013. He's poised. Yeah, he had one bad throw today, maybe that bad decision, uh, but I just think he's I think he's just got the swagger they need at that position. But most, if you go physically, Joe, he can make all the throws, but the way he gets rid of the ball so quickly uh, I think is really impressive. So uh, Tommy DeVito looks like he's in for a big year, and I think he's just kind of perfect for this offense with Barry Lunny Jr. And going back to your point, I think it's a great sell to a transfer. That's looking for one more opportunity or that next opportunity because this offense, I think you can throw for a lot of yards in it. And and when you have a running game and – 
offensive line that they feel like is going to be a strength for a couple of years. I think they got something there. Yeah, I think even looking back to how they got Tommy was interesting. They moved pretty quickly on Tommy. They had him on campus. I remember, boy, I wish I remembered the basketball game, but it was in December. Have him on campus. You get a commit pretty quick after. Like that was, they were, they went with purpose with Tommy DeVito. And I think now you're seeing why. And they saw something on film. And obviously there was a coordinator change. But yeah, that's, again, the subplot is now you're developing. I don't think you've got it yet. And I think as you're in the portal recruiting, a lot of coaches are probably going to tell potential quarterbacks that they don't have it yet at this point. But you're starting to build a cell. And until you find that high school kid, and maybe he's on, maybe it's Donovan Leary, maybe it's Cal Swanson down the line, there's still a pretty good amount of time from now to then. So you need a cell in the portal, and you're starting to build that. And portal quarterback recruiting might be the best way to go. Um, you can get really talented players uh, through the portal. DeVito is a four-star, right? Like, he's a very good prospect. Art was a four-star uh, coming out. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight, text Tile Upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We are doing this live. We will take some of your questions, comments later on. I see uh, the, the defense was great. The offense was good. We spent all this time talking about the offense, but I think it's the story of the season. But, Joey, this defense has a chance to be special. Uh, I, I tweeted out, best defensive line since 2011, but this looks like the best defense uh, since 2011 when that group was fantastic with Whitney Merciless, Tavon Wilson, um, Jonathan Brown had a monster year. Uh, that was a defense that really carried the team through most of the season. The offense just didn't do enough during the back half. Um, Ryan Walters, we've thrown all the flowers we can at him, but let's also throw flowers at all these these players. And, and it's so many of them that are making plays, Joe. Like, Johnny Newton's had great games. Keith Randolph's had great games. Um, Quan Martin and Devin Witherspoon have each had good games, and we know Sidney Brown's really good. Calvin Avery, I think, is playing his best football, and I thought he was just dominant today. And then Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman, I thought, were, were fantastic today. They all had moments today where they just completely shut down Chattanooga. I didn't expect Chattanooga to have a great game offensively, uh, but what they have, 135 yards, uh, 46 of 19 passing, 142 yards on 52 plays today. They didn't find the end zone. Illinois has given up nine points in three home games. I don't care who you're playing, but especially when that includes Wyoming and Virginia, that's really impressive. And as you know, Joey, you've had the stat all week. They haven't given up a touchdown yet in three home games. That's pretty, and look, we thought against Virginia, they're down on the goal line. Oh, this is it for that. They didn't. And the play of the game, I say that. I mean, it wasn't the play of the game, but to preserve the streak in the, I can't remember, first half, I believe Quan Martin came in on a blitz. Uh, Chattanooga broke free down the sidelines. If you go back and watch the tape, watch Quan Martin. He blitzes in and turns his whole body around, and he and Seth Coleman are sprinting down the sidelines. To save this tackle, they save it at the 17-yard line, I believe is what it was. The next play, Quan Martin interception in the end zone. Yeah. The shutout streak, touchdown shutout streak. Terrible pass by Hutchison. I don't yeah, know what he was doing. That wasn't good at all. Uh, but I, that's the difference, of course, in Big Ten speed and FCS speed. Right, Olin Ford's a very good running back at the FCS level. But Seth Coleman caught him from behind. Quan Martin caught him from behind. Yeah, that play probably goes for seven against any other opponent coming up on their schedule. But it, it was a fantastic play for him to recover. I think it was just Chattanooga calling the right play when Illinois got really aggressive and zero coverage and Quan coming on a blitz. But, yeah, they, they had that speed to, to come up. And, and, man, someone get Preston Hutchison a spa day. That guy oh got God. rocked all night. Uh, they have nine quarterback hits, eight tackles for loss. 
I forgot how many sacks at the end of this game, four or five sacks it felt like at the end of this game. He was getting rocked all night. Uh, th- this front five was just completely dominant. All these guys, I think, have next-level talent. When, when Calvin Avery is probably the worst prospect <laughs> on the front five right now, that's saying something because I think he's playing really good football. Might have a chance to get in an NFL camp, but Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph continue to look like NFL players. Seth Coleman, I think, is having his breakout. He's just kind of getting overshadowed because everyone's so excited about Gabe Ackes, as they should, but I thought Seth was great too. Yeah, so four sacks, eight tackles for a loss, nine quarterback hits. I'm excited to see the PFF pressure count because it's just, I think it might just be all. Every, every snap. Yeah, it was – it was a dominant. It, it should be dominant, right? Like you're playing an FCS team, but you you're start. I think you're starting to see that front feel itself a, a little bit more, and they should. They had that yeah. dominant game against uh, Indiana, Virginia. You're starting to see that come, and you're starting to see a couple guys get it at once. Like Virginia, or I'm sorry, Indiana was Johnny Newton. That mm-hmm. was the Johnny Newton show last week. Both he and Keith Randolph. You started to see those pressures. Now you're seeing. Seth Coleman, I think that's a good point, Jimmy, to kind of take that step. And Gabe Ackes, I'd have to go back and watch him. I'm pretty sure he threw a tackle just out of Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Like, he, he is a large individual. He's a freak. He's a freak. I, I remember when he, they got him on signing day and even when they were recruiting him. And we saw him when he's a two-lane commit, came here in last October, and you asked me if he was some transfer. I'm like, <laughs> nope, that's Gabe. I thought it was Jackus at the time, but it's Gabe Ackes. He just looked like a man. Um, and, and it was like, that, that kid's a four-star. I don't – I don't care what we rank him or whatever he's rated. It's just because we were late to the, the party on him. Everybody was. And then Illinois and Tennessee got in late. Uh, kudos to Tulane for, for getting in on him. But uh, that was a huge win for Illinois. It's proven itself right away. Seeing him on campus that day last year was the exact same feeling I got in 2019. I think it was the spring of 2019 when Wale Batiku came. I remember – we didn't work together at that point, and I thought, oh, this must be a coach of, of some prospect because Wally just looked like a grown adult, yes. and it turns out he was a tra- – you got similar – I'm not saying the skill level is the same. Gabe's really, really good. Gabe might be a better athlete, to be but honest. But that's the feeling. When you see them, you're like, oh, my. <laughs> that is – like, that's – when you think of, like, high-level college SEC-type athletes, yeah, that's, that's what they look like. They look like Gabe Ackes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's – we can see in the freshman class, like, you just get on the field – you see Tyson Rooks and how long he is, Ashton Hollins, how long he is, and, and then Jordan Anderson, how Matthew big Bailey. he is, Matthew Bailey, how long he is. Like, they are getting guys that look the size. Obviously, athleticism uh, is certainly in the playmaking positions. they got to continue to upgrade some of that. But Gayback is a huge win. I mean, this defense this is another one, Joey. I can't wait to see how they play against – some different offenses, right? Like we've seen Virginia want to throw the ball a lot, Indiana throw the ball a lot. We've seen that pass rush, uh, as people say nowadays, get home the last couple weeks. Now how does this rushing defense hold up? Because remember, they gave up, what, 170 yards to to Wyoming tonight. They did give up some rushing yards. I I thought Olin Ford had some nice breakaways. You're going to give up some rushing yards to Wisconsin. You're going to give up some rushing yards to Minnesota. But can you keep everything else in check? I know we're focused on the front. I mean, the back end allows them to do all that. Ryan Walters can get so aggressive up front and blitz five, blitz six, because he's got DBs he can rely on. And I think most of that is Quan Martin, Devin Witherspoon, and Sidney Brown. And Kendall Smith's been pretty solid the last couple weeks um, after that Indiana game. I think he's been much better as that single high safety that kind of covers everything up. Yeah, I think we need to. I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to bring it up. We, we sat on this exact postgame pod after Indiana and said the questions we have about the secondary are Kendall Smith and Taz Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And those are being answered. I don't think they're so fully answered yet. Yeah, Taz had some place in that. Yeah, but they're being answered. And I, I think I feel different about that those two specific spots now mm-hmm. than I did, Jeremy, when we left the Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. You, you're just seeing that happen, and it makes sense, right? Kendall Smith has been around forever. He hasn't started. Taz Nicholson, this is really his most – he took over for Tony, but then he didn't play again for the next, I think, eight games or seven games last season. So that was going to take time. But those those are coming around, and when you have three stars back there, that helps. And those three stars are going to carry a lot of the heavy heavy workload there. Is there anything else we can say about this defense? I mean, Brian Walters is just putting these guys in positions to succeed. Um, you know, Johnny Newton made a comment to me tonight about 
how everything feels different uh, since you know those guys came in, this staff came in. And he's saying, we're playing better as a team. He said, under Lovey, we're playing more for ourselves. And he goes, now we are playing together as a team. And they seem to be competing uh, while playing well together, but competing for who makes that play, who makes this play. Um, should we should we rag on Keith Randolph? For- well, Johnny told me he's not talking to Keith right now for his his fumble. I asked Isaiah Williams, who's Keith's roommate. I said, are you guys do like fumble drills with him, or what's going to happen here? He said, well, I live with him, so he's going to hear, and he starts counting. He goes, for the next eight weeks, we, we you can give Keith a hard time because Keith is a really good player and he's a really productive player, and I guarantee you, he's having probably a little anger with himself. But you know who's suggests- angry about that play is Seth Coleman. He gets a quarterback hit. He doesn't even get a sack for that. Yeah. <laughs> Keith gets the interception, gets all the glory for the return, and then all the, the pain for, for fumbling. By the way, great peanut punch by Preston Hutchinson, a quarterback on that play. But Seth Coleman should have another sack on his total after that. Um, it just didn't hit the ground, so it's not a strip sack. We are ultimately going to have to look up most interceptions by an Illinois defensive lineman because Keith Randolph is at okay. two for his career. Yeah. and I mean, he's just – I, I thought he was really good again tonight. That that law firm, like it's a fun little little punch or a little nil deal. It's a real deal. Like yeah. those two are are really good. And to your point earlier, they do seem like they play off of each other mm-hmm. a lot. I, I think I shared this. Keith said coming back from Indiana, Johnny had these that big game, and he, he's watching film on the bus. Like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And like that, you're seeing those two kind of elevate each other. All right, well, let's, we'll get into some of your questions here in a little bit. Uh, I did see somebody, uh, E, up there. Hope the offense was holding back tonight. Big numbers against a weak team. Our expectations are low if we feel anything but okay about this game. Opportunity to prove it next week. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> I, I don't know how to help you. It, you did, I, they did what it. they were supposed there, to do. There's caveats with this, right? There's caveats with Wyoming. It's... But do you put up 500 yards against a team you're supposed to put up 500 yards against? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Short of, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you probably score more points, but if you watch the second half, they didn't seem that interested in doing that. Like that's, I don't know how to help you. Well, for those people, that's what these next three games are about. Like I think we learned this team could be good. Like I mean, really, they they could be a solid to good Big Ten team, especially with the West in the schedule. Like Wisconsin is very good. And I think. They really have a chance to win the West again despite a loss to Washington State because their defense is great and they can run the football and they're going to be close in a lot of games, as they always do. Uh, can they pass the ball consistently enough with Graham Mertz is, is the big question as it usually is in Wisconsin. Well, I, all but one game in 2020. Yeah. That's been a question. Graham Mertz was pretty good that game against Lovey Smith's defense. Heisman, Heisman winner that game. <laughs> he was leading the Heisman after that game. Um, and then Iowa can't score right now. I think that's going to be a problem for them at some point during the season. Uh, already is. Uh, Minnesota, I think, is a well-rounded team. But I think Illinois is a well-rounded team. Uh, Northwestern Nebraska, I don't expect them to compete. Purdue is different than everybody. They throw the ball around. They're kind of a wild card. Um, you know, I don't know if they have as much top-end talent as last year, but they can beat anybody, it feels like, on any day or lose to anybody on, on any given day. Um, so I, I just find this Big Ten West really fascinating. And Illinois has got the three best, probably, Big Ten West teams in a row bring it on, right? Like, if you're Illinois at this point, you want to prove it. You're healthy right now outside of Josh McRae, who I think they hope to get in the next couple weeks. Don't know exactly when. Wasn't dressed tonight. Uh, but he obviously would be a big help. But they're pretty healthy. And now you get a chance to compete with the best in the division heading into the stretch. So, Joey, if they get one, I think you'd feel good uh, of the next three. If you get two, you're feeling fantastic. If you get zero – you're fighting for a bowl game, and the odds of a bowl game seem pretty low. Yeah, zero. I mean, it's hard because you say it's a tough one to swallow, and it probably would be. But I don't think it would. Like, I get it. If you get zero, I would say, well, that's the three really, really good teams. But it would feel just in the way that Illinois is kind of. You're seeing the shells of what they are. Like you would feel like, man, you probably should have got one. I don't know which one. That's the hard part. Well, but, yeah, because like, let's think. None of those teams are in the top twenty-five right now. I would imagine by the end of the year, one of them will be. Maybe it's Minnesota. Maybe it's Wisconsin. Maybe it's both of them by then. I, I don't know about Iowa at this point. Um, but at the end of the day, those teams are 20 through 50 in the country. Illinois hopes to be in the top 60, top 50 of the country at the end of the season. Like, if you're doing that, you're taking steps forward as a program. You should be one of them. Like, you should be at least one of them. And if you beat two of them, 
you're taking a big step forward where I think you really have a chance to, to start making some hay in the, in the Big Ten there and sell it to recruits. Yeah, that – Wisconsin feel – like just obviously there's a Brett storyline, Brett Bielman returning storyline. I, I get it. Just to get ahead of this, he's not going to talk about it. That's, that's not of interest to him to talk about. But so obviously there's going to be a tension there. And I think you probably have more attention if you were walking in there 4-0 which, again, the argument is pretty sound that you should be. But I think just if, if you left Madison with a win, just the attention you would draw nationally for that. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what those two teams are right now. The little headline at the bottom of every sports station would say, Illinois, or, you know, Illinois comma, Brett Bielema, win and Bielema's return to Madison. Something along those lines. That's enough of an angle to get eyes and get attention. And then you got to maximize it. And Wisconsin, most likely because they play Ohio State this week, would be 0-2 in the Big Ten, and you'd be a game ahead of them and a game up on them for tiebreakers, all of that. Like, if you're starting to think about that stuff, if you beat Wisconsin, you're starting to think about that stuff, right? You, you also think about what the next game here against Iowa could look like from, from an excitement standpoint, from an attendance standpoint. And I know it feels like you're getting ahead of yourselves, but I don't. again, I don't feel like going into Madison is an impossible task. I don't think it's easy, and I don't no. know that I'm going to pick Illinois. Right. But I, I think you have to – sit here and entertain the idea that that's a possibility where you just didn't feel that same feeling for the last few years. I think it's going to be a competitive game, which I haven't gone into a Wisconsin game, including the 2019 game, because none of you thought they were going to be competitive either. Like, I, I haven't thought they're going to be competitive against Wisconsin in a really long time. Can I drop the stat that we talked about the other day? I think it's seven players on this Illinois roster have played at Camp Randall with people there. Mm-hmm. 2020, there were no fans. 2018 was forever ago. And there's not a lot of those guys left. That's why you make a big deal about Alex Palczewski, Kendall Smith, all those guys being back. I don't know how much that matters, but it's yeah. interesting. I think they're going to win one of the next two games. Probably. I really do. I, I think they're, they're going to win one of the next two games. Even our guy Ryan Burns, who covers Minnesota, uh, he said, I, I think Brett Bielema is going to mess around and find a way to win one of these games. Because I think they get in close games. They're competent. They have a good defense. They can run the ball. Um, I got some questions offensive line at times. Um, especially on the interior, but I've got special teams questions. We've got special teams questions we can get into here in a second. But they can throw the ball a little bit. Like I don't know if they're quite as proven yet as what Minnesota was, because what Minnesota did last year. I know Illinois beat them with Tony Peterson as their offense coordinator, but like that's a good solid program that has won seven plus games many years here. Um, I think Illinois is capable of that. I really do. I think they're going to be in most of these games this year outside of Michigan. I think Wisconsin's a huge task because I think Jim Leonard is as good at his job as anybody in the country, defense coordinator, and, and Braylon Allen and that Wisconsin offensive line are really, really good. And I don't think Grant Martz is terrible. Um, he's good enough to beat you. He's not Iowa's quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Like so, But I think you got a chance to win one of those games. I, I really, really do. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and, again, you can think about what that would mean for momentum or, or wherever this program – is going, but I, there's there's an opportunity to be had in Madison to whether you make a statement to for any of that. Like that's the big one to me. You know, I I think you would feel good about seeing. I know Minnesota's better than it was a year ago, but do you think Tanner Morgan has any interest in seeing Sidney Brown again? <laughs> seeing the, Ryan Walters again. Ryan, yeah. Ryan Walters took away the RPOs, all of that. He gives him a chance. And somebody said, "Whoa, watch! Don't drink all the Kool Aid." I said they can win one of those games. I, that's got to start being the expectation at some point. I know over there in that locker room, they expect to, to win one of these games coming up. Maybe not all of them, but Johnny Newton was talking about, you know, I know every group says we want to win the Big Ten Championship, we want to win the Big Ten West, all those things. I think they're starting to actually believe that because they know they should be 4-0 right now uh, and maybe getting some of the, the hype that Minnesota is getting at this point, and I think it is deserved for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're drinking Kool-Aid saying it's entirely possible they beat one of these three teams. Flawed Big Ten West teams. Yeah, <laughs> this isn't Michigan. This isn't Ohio State we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no one's thinking they're going into the horseshoe and leaving with a win. Okay, I just think that there's the, where this program has gone, you have to seriously talk about the thought that it could happen where that just was not the thought for the really better part of the last five or six years. I mean, it's just a, it's kind of the reality of it. All right, let's get to some of your questions. If you want to weigh in, uh, you can uh, just type in your questions there on our live chat. 
Uh, student section was alive. Yeah, I mean, the student section, I know they had to give out tickets. They had more attendance this week than they did against Virginia, which is really interesting to me, but they had to give away 10,000 sure tickets do. to do it. But students, man, they, they are showing up, Joey. Um, I talked with Jason Hegemeyer from the ticket office earlier this week. The students are bought in, man. And on a thirst, thirsty Thursday night, they came out and enjoyed themselves for about a half, maybe three quarters, and went back out. I mean, you can't, you can't follow it. It was a blowout game. But you, you showed up. You did your part. There's specials to be had down on Green Street. Yeah. Uh, the offensive numbers, Ryan said, are even more interesting considering we only played three quarters of full-speed offense. And I don't know how much the third quarter uh, was full-speed offense. We did see Aiden Woffrey finally make his uh, long-awaited debut, three carries for nine yards towards the end of the game. So I thought we'd see a little bit more of him. Uh, but they kept Chase Brown until later in the game. I think they wanted Chase's stats to get up. Man. Like, you, you know what sell, sells good on the recruiting trail? Yeah. We have the nation's leading rusher. Like, yeah, that, that's a good one to put out there. Yeah. Uh, what did you see from Pilstrom and Chrysler today? Adams face, uh, faced up one sack. I got to go back and watch the film for that. Like, I, I see a little bit replays during the game, but offensive line play, I, I really got to go back and, and watch that. I, I think they got some question marks. Like, that – that is one of the groups I think has a huge um, task ahead of them, whether it's Wisconsin or Iowa, Minnesota, especially those first two teams. Those defensive fronts are the best defensive fronts they'll see all year along with Michigan, and it's a huge task for them. I, I think Isaiah Adams has been great this year. Palchescu got banged up a little bit but came back in. He's been great. He knows what's ahead of him. But, yeah, that, this offensive line is going to have a huge task. And I, I don't think Chase Brown is going to run for 100 yards in the next two games. Like, I – at least, I think the streak's going to end in one of the next two games. Yeah, probably against Wisconsin, at yeah, least. Right. And look, he might not get him in either of the next two. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest takeaway, offensive line-wise, Isaiah Adams, your backup swing tackle at both spots. And, it, you know, you don't you hope it doesn't end up mattering for them, but I think that's interesting that he's a guy they – that guy has played three spots on the offensive line in four weeks and mm -hmm. fairly well. Like, he, he is really – I know we've talked about it. He's given him a nice little pitch there on the JUCO recruiting trail. John, how does Barry Lenny get Luke Ford more involved in this offense? Oh does he need to be in the passing game? 500 yards. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he needs to be. He, he's a really good blocker. Um, and I don't think he's going to be TJ Hawkinson. I don't think he's going to be Noah Fant. That, that's not who he is. And at this point of his career, he's, he's a good blocker that helps Illinois. Tip Ryman's a similar player. Uh, Michael Marquise keeps getting touchdowns, though. He's like the guy who, who finds it all out. Which, by the way, Barry Lunny, I did not have that on my bingo card this year. Um, Tommy DeVito to Reggie Love to Miles Scott to Tommy DeVito to Michael Marquise for a touchdown. Yeah, no, if you had that on your bingo card, let's just say we're lying right now. <laughs> okay, that was interesting to dial it up, I think, against Chattanooga. Oh, they wanted to put that on film. Yeah? Oh, yeah. All right, well, they there you had go. To. Uh, Calvin Avery, uh, truthfully speaking, says, playing himself into a camp invite, he's playing really well. I can't wait to see what he does against better opponents. Uh, Illinois has played some bad offensive lines. I'll, I'll say that. But Illinois has made them look really terrible. Uh, but Indiana's won some games here, right? And uh, Virginia is kind of a mess right now. The but Wyoming Cowboys. Wyoming's won three straight, man. Um, so, yeah, I think this defensive line has played really well. And Calvin, he's manhandling some people. So that's another sign of a good coaching staff, a guy who just never kind of lived up to his potential his first four years uh, with Lovey Smith or the first three years with Lovey Smith and one with Brett Bielma. They found a way to, to get that guy motivated, and he had to step up. It was time for him to step up. Yeah, I think they, they've done a good job connecting with him, getting this out of him. And, and it took you know, last year, obviously, you had Rod Perry, and that was a big question mark, too, we had, Jeremy. Calvin Avery's doing a heck of a job filling that spot. I think Ben sent this question because you asked him to. Uh, you had Pat Bryant as your pick to click. I had Isaiah Williams. No one cares, Jeremy. I had Pat Bryant. They both played pretty ben, well. My guy, I, I would my give guy Pat ben, Bryant one. Yeah. My, my guy Ben knew I went out on a limb. <laughs> well, you just took Isaiah Williams, who we all thought was going to have a great year. So yeah. live a little bit, man. All right. Uh, let's move on. Yeah. What, what other ones do you want to see? How do you like the special teams? It's inconsistent. Um, you know, kicking one out of bounds on a kickoff is not good. Uh, there was, I thought the punt out of the end zone was fantastic by Hugh Roberts. I mean, they were threatening to score on a safety there, and they found a way. Uh, so Hugh was a little bit inconsistent. The, the rugby punt was interesting. I thought he uh, waited a little too long to, to, to punt that one, but he got it away. Yeah, in close games, you feel like special teams going to hurt you one of these games. I mean, Indiana, it, it 
did. did. Uh, Indiana, I mean, the punts really hurt you. Caleb Griffin's best game. But, yeah, I think it's already cost you a Big Ten game. You don't want it to cost you another one. Yeah, you, you can't. The, the I, I don't worry. The kicking game, we just haven't seen really need to be there. But Hugh Robertson's been up and down, and he shanked one out of the – or you know, Yeah, well, 11-yarder. Yeah, you can't have – like, that's what got you against Indiana, and you, you just can't – can't give good teams those short field positions. Do you, think, you guys think uh, Isaiah Williams is an NFL receiver in the future? I think he's got more to prove. Um, you know, he's he's really good at the college level. Does he have the blazing speed? Like, he ran away from a defense today that's an FCS defense. Can he do that? Like, I don't know if he gets the separation at the NFL uh, that he can get now. And that's another thing. Interesting to see how he and Pat Bryant do uh, against – a Wisconsin defense that is built like the Illinois defense, how physical they are. So I'm interested to see how he does. You know, early in the year, maybe before the season, I thought, man, Illinois better make use of him because uh, they, they, they might not have him next year. Internally, I, they think he'll be back for another year, So, uh, which might be good for him because if they get another good quarterback and he has another big year, add some speed potentially. Uh, we've seen a power element to his game we, we didn't before. Yeah, I think – there's times he looks like a guy who started playing wide receiver mm-hmm. a, a year ago in the spring. I mean, it's, it's not a knock on it. He's still an explosive guy, but I I think there's you're seeing that, like, this flip, this switch may not be flipped immediately. It might yeah. take a little more time. Uh, Tom makes a good point, and we talked about this during the game. I think I tweeted it. Um, the Mox ran a lot of zone read, and their quarterback never kept it, and Gabe Ackes knew that, and uh, he played pretty well against the run. So the first test, really good. Next week, you got Braylon Allen and Wisconsin's offensive line. Yeah, I thought he did. I mean, a couple, I think there was a tackle for a loss, baked in there a little bit. But yeah, I agree with you. I Also, I don't think Chattanooga's quarterback had one single piece of interest in having that football any longer than he had to. Brandon, good question. Prediction on the spread next week. What would you say against Wisconsin? Two non-gamblers. Can I, like, yell out in the press box? Is there any degenerates over there? You know, you know I, I originally thought nine and a half. I, I think it'll open at like nine and a half, yeah. maybe ten, um, depending on what happens at Ohio State. If it's a terrible game, maybe it's closer. I think I think by the game time it might be like seven and a half, seven. Really? Like yeah, I, I do. I, I'm not a gambler, but I, I watch these each week. I think it'll be between seven and ten. I'd be shocked if it's like fourteen. Oh, I don't think it. No, I don't think it'll be that. Nine and a half feels like a good place to open. I don't know how much variance. Maybe it'll open at like ten and a half. I don't. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Those, but I, I don't know if you're going to have a big swing of variance. That somewhere between seven and a half and ten or eleven and a half yeah. feels like the window. Kurt was Peters just not that great last year when Sikowski went in. Seemed fairly lateral with a touch of leadership. Devito seems like a huge improvement over both. Big fall off. I felt when Art was in. I thought Brandon was more talented than Art Sikowski last year. I just think Brandon Peters at times just struggled to lift his team. Um, whether that was Tony Peterson's fault, play calling fault, I think Brandon Peters would be better this year. Um, but I, I just think Tommy DeVito has an it factor. We've talked about it. Uh, he's got a swagger. He's got a leadership. And, and just you think that guy's going to make some plays, man. Uh, and he's got a lot of talent, and he gets rid of the ball so quickly, really accurately in the short passing game. And we're starting to see that touch improve uh, in the deep balls. Yeah, and I do think it fell off when Art came in, but I also think some of that was by design. I don't think they forced – there's a lot of runs, a lot of short passes. I don't think they asked Art to really do – anything other than take the snap and hand it off or throw to a tight end in the flat. Uh, Alex, if you think they can beat one of Iowa or Wisconsin, what do you think the ceiling for the season win total could be? I think the ceiling's probably eight. Uh, I think Michigan's going to be tough to beat. Um, Michigan State, I think I think you can compete with them. Um, but are you going to week in and week out be able to do that? Week I think there are going to be so many games here, Joey. I think you need to beat Northwestern, you need to beat Nebraska. I don't think those teams are very good. Um, outside of that, I think you're going to compete in the rest of the six games that you have uh, on the schedule. And if you can find a way to split those, you're at eight. I think that's probably where I would put the ceiling. But I think this should be a bowl team. Yeah, I think the ceiling is eight. And I also think there's going to be one loss somewhere down the line that's going to hurt like hell. Like it's going to hurt like the Indiana loss hurt. Yeah, I don't maybe, know what maybe, it's going to be. Maybe you lose Nebraska and beat Purdue or something like that, right? Yeah. There's, there's Again, there's so much – There's just a lot of variance with this team because they're going to be in a lot of those close games. There's still, I still feel like a lot, Jeremy, we talked about this on our way back up here from interviews. I feel a lot like I felt against Wyoming when we did this pod. I know more. I saw some things that were encouraging, 
But these next three weeks are going to tell me so much about what this Illinois team is. Yeah, but when they're when they're consistently winning these games convincingly, like that's the thing. Like Virginia was really impressive. Uh, Indiana, even though it was a loss, I was impressed by certain things because it took them four turnovers to lose that game uh, because they were so dominant in, in every other area. Um, Wyoming was really impressive, and of course tonight they they dominate. So, I mean, they have dominated. I think the play in all four games uh, against opponents that I think are worse than them, right? Now, can you carry that over against teams and programs that have been better than you for so long? And I think Minnesota has got an eight-plus win season ahead of it. I think Iowa's still got a chance to do it because of their defense and special teams. And I think Wisconsin's almost always a shoe-in for eight-plus wins, though this year losing to Washington State might, might affect that. But these are all teams I expect to be – in competition in their final couple weeks for a Big Ten West title. Now you get the chance to show that you belong in that too. Yeah, I think Iowa – I still think there's – you're going to see that offense step forward. They're starting to get a little healthy. It's not going to wow anybody, but I don't think it's going to be like, the, oh, my God, are they going to lose to South Dakota State bad. So, yeah, I'm with you. And I, the other thing I want to note, Jeremy, is Brett Bielema has made it a point really, let's say the last 10 days, 14 days, to say the or point out the rematch games a lot. Like to me, in my mind, this is him saying me, like these are measuring stick yeah. games for improvement. He's not come out and said that, but it's that's how I'm interpreting it. And and the amount of times he's saying, Okay, we have a rematch game, we have a rematch game and I think like there's a lot of coach speak with Brett Bielema, okay? But I think like he genuinely wraps his mind around these concepts and then you you see that. I mean we see, hear it trickle down well, to the players when we talk to them. I mean, we do those things for a reason, right? Um, they are. They, they're marks of progress, and Virginia was a huge mark of progress. I think these non-conference games against lower-level opponents are just blowing them out. I think that's a mark of progress. The next ones are, are the Big Ten West games coming up, which Illinois showed marks of progress last year in Big Ten play, going 4-5, and five, outscoring Big Ten opponents for the first time in 10 years like those are marks of progress now if you can do it consistently uh that's where the program can take a huge step up uh a couple more here before we get out of here um where was i gonna go it seemed like uh yeah let's discuss i'm just glad four games yeah i want to get to alex's comment i'm just glad four games in i'm not just counting down the days to basketball season it felt like it could have been that after Indiana, oh right? It felt like it could have been that very quickly. Every year when I was on radio with Lante, we said Operation Prolong Relevancy so that the season and you guys are interested in what we have to say about Illinois football. Yeah, I think Brett Bielema, the way they bounced back from that Indiana loss, Joey, I think people should be interested in this team because I, I think they're a very interesting team given the defensive dominance, given you have the nation's leading rusher. They have a passing attack that looks competent. Remember – in our post-game pod in Indiana, we talked about the very real possibility that Illinois is going to be one and two. Because we didn't know. I mean, Virginia had – I don't think they had played yet. They uh, Richmond was the following day. So we obviously didn't see that it was – that's still a very flawed and very growing pain Virginia team. But there was a real thought one and two was sitting on the table, which means basketball was going to happen uh, probably on like September 12th yep. this year. But it's – Job well done, Brett Bielema. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here in uh, the press box at Memorial Stadium. Appreciate you guys who join us uh, for the live YouTube stream. For our live podcast, we'll upload this for us uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. We appreciate you guys. Do give us a follow, like, and uh, rating on our podcast, and give us a follow on YouTube as well. Uh, we're going to do this throughout the year uh, for post games. Football is kind of trial runs. We know you guys will be really interested in when basketball season comes along. We got a lot of fun football games coming up. Joey, Joey and I going up to to Madison this weekend, and man, if Illinois. If they can compete in that game or even if they find a way to win, I think you're setting up a monster game uh, against Iowa. We're going to find out a lot, Joey, about this program over the next month. Yeah, it's a big month for Illinois football. I want to ask, what does it have to look like in Madison to get uh, – what's the word? I don't want to say positive crowd, but to get an encouraging crowd here. What does Illinois need to do at Wisconsin for that? <sighs> If it's 2014, would you? I, and it was a game at the end of the game. Like you know what I mean? I'm. I don't think you want to have moral victories, and Brett Bielema doesn't want moral victories. But I think you'd be feel like you have a chance moving forward. Uh, you just don't want the the 31 to 
10 or the you know the massive blowouts that you've seen in the past with Lovey Smith or Tim Beckman or whoever it was. I think you just want to see your team have a chance to, to win the game in the fourth quarter. And if they do that, I think they'll have a chance to do it against Iowa. They'll have a chance to do it against Minnesota, a team uh, that they beat last year in, in Iowa. If it weren't for Charlie Jones, you know, finally getting the ball <laughs> from Iowa uh, because Illinois kicked it off to him, uh, that, that game could have been a lot different because Illinois was up 10 nothing. Yeah, I think I'm with you. A competitive, like, six-point game. Again, no, no one's sitting here, you know, thumbs up and on moral victories. But I think it also helps that Iowa, through, to this point, has looked beatable. And I think people would be eager to come out here and see a beatable Iowa team and an Illinois team that they think can do it. I mean, look, there's some disdain for Iowa. That's it's been not a, a long secret. time since Illinois beaten Iowa. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's on the table, too. And, my God, I, if they – we better get Alex Palczewski at some point that week because there's only there's not a lot of guys who are out there in 2018 for 63 nothing. Alex Palczewski was one. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you guys listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Give us a like, the thumbs up button. Subscribe to us there. We appreciate you joining us on this late night at Memorial Stadium. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.